Welcome to Asians in the Spotlight. We are a podcast branching off of Asian Advocates, a youth-led organization that is dedicated to amplifying Asian voices. Asians in the Spotlight is created using Anchor, a free platform with tools that allow users to record and edit audio clips to create their own podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast across platforms for others to listen to. This is our fourth episode of our podcast series, Asians in the Political Field. In this episode, you will listen in as our hosts Lisa and Sandy interview Doug Chin, a litigation attorney and Hawaii lieutenant governor. everybody. Welcome back to Asians in the Spotlight. I'm Lisa, your co-host today. Hi, everyone. I'm Sandy, your other co-host today. And for today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Doug Chin, a prominent litigation attorney, as well as part of the Police Commission of Hawaii. Uh, Mr. Chin, would you like to briefly introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Doug Chin. I'm really honored to be able to be on this podcast. Um, and to be able to uh, address um, anyone who's interested in listening to this podcast, but, uh, but in particular, um, Asian Americans that are in the community um, that are pursuing different careers. Um, my, my parents came from China to Seattle back in the 1950s, and they attended the University of Washington, and, and from there they became citizens, and that's where me and my sister w- was born. Um, I think they, when they came to America, they, they wanted to give um, us a better life. I thought it was very courageous and brave of them now that I look back and think about um, my own family life and, and how uh, difficult and challenging that is uh, to be able to uh, leave your country and to, to come to the United States. Um, but I am uh, incredibly grateful uh, to my family for the, the sacrifices that they made. Um, and uh, I never expected that my career, uh, that I guess we're going to end up talking about, would end up being the way that it was. Um, so um, all I can say is that uh, it's been a, a great adventure, and I'm happy to have a chance to be able to talk about it and share about some of my experiences. Yes, thank you. So our first question for today is just basically about your education background, your career background. So what were your career ambitions when you were growing up? Like, did you always expect yourself to enter like the political field and law? I I definitely did not expect to go into uh, politics. Um, And um, I wasn't aiming for law when I was in high school. Um, I was the editor of my high school paper. Uh, back in, in Bellevue, Washington. So it was a suburb of Seattle. Um, my high school was basically uh, like maybe 10%, less than 10% Asian, and then very few um, African American or, or um, Hispanic people. It was mainly all uh, white people in the in the population at the school. And, um, and so, uh, when I, I went there, I actually thought I was going to become a journalist. Um, I, I remember, uh, actually, I have a great, great, great story where I, I remember thinking, oh, I think I want to be a TV journalist. And, um, and so uh, I had an interview with uh, one of the local stations to, to be a student intern. And, uh, and what they said to me back then, and this was back in the 1980s, um, you know, they, they, they talked to me and they said, you know what? you would be really, really good in radio. <laughs> That's what they said. And so, anyway, so 
great voice, but, yeah. but they were also sending a message about uh, about how it looked, and they said, you know, we just think you'd be you'd be fantastic if you went into radio. And oh, so, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah. subtle thing that no one would yeah. ever say today <laughs> in, the, in the 21st century but mm. uh, but it, it was what was said back then mm -hmm. so what like sparked your interest then in, in the political career if you didn't like yeah. always sure um you know after i went to law school uh which i'm happy to talk about that because that was a that was a very amazing experience um i went and became a prosecutor and the only reason i did that uh, was because I just thought that, um, you know, all, all I knew about lawyers was what you could see on TV. Um, so I, I didn't think about anything in a corporate sense. My parents weren't corporate or, or you know, people who were entrepreneurs or CEOs. My dad was an engineer. My mom was a librarian. Um, so all I knew about what it meant to be a lawyer was to be, um, was to be in court. Uh, so uh, I thought, okay, well, that's what I got to do. I got to work at the prosecutor's office. And, um, and, and that's what I really enjoyed doing. I, I loved doing jury trials. Uh, um, I was here in Hawaii and uh, really enjoyed being able to connect with people. And what ended up happening was that um, I became the number two person in the prosecutor's office here in Honolulu. And then my boss ended up running for mayor and winning um, the, the seat to be uh, the mayor of Honolulu. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. Brought me over to the mayor's office. Um, it's called like the city manager or managing director, but it essentially was a chief of staff position. Mm -hmm. And that was my first time really uh, kind of experiencing what it meant to be in politics, because it was just being around a, lo a lot of elected officials. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's a it's a totally different world. I mean, it's it's uh, I mean, I think um, prior to that, um, I hadn't really paid much attention to um, to local politics or, or just you know who are who my council members were or just you know what the you know what city government was all about, um, but it was uh, definitely a big crash course in that. And uh, from there, uh, I, I just ended up uh, kind of taking to it. I, I think I, I enjoyed the the, um, the interactions with people, and uh, and and actually just the uh, the fact that. Um, you know, like being in front of controversies and things like that um, was something that I think appealed to me because I, I think I, I, I enjoy being part of things that are stressful or problematic because it, it forces me to have to come up with solutions and to, to try to solve things. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's kind of like a, I think it's kind of like an adrenaline junkie thing. <laughs> like I think right, I, need, yeah. I need the adrenaline mm -hmm. of something that's really stressful. Oh, that's um, interesting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's how I ended up um, kind of uh, taking to it and, and, mm. and doing well at it. And so from then on, um, uh, later on, the, the governor appointed me to become the attorney general for mm -hmm. the state. And I'm, I'm happy to talk about that time. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then there was this crazy thing where what happened was the lieutenant governor um, left the office early for personal reasons. And, and so um, it, was, it was a succession plan that's in the law. So it wasn't an election or anything like that. I just became the lieutenant governor just by, by default. And, um, and so for about a year, I was uh, lieutenant governor for Hawaii. Um, and, uh, and that was a, a great experience. And, uh, and then since then, I, uh, I'm now in private practice. Um, I, I work for a, a local firm here in Hawaii called Star No Tool, Marcus and Fisher. Um, and I do uh, litigation work. And uh, basically, I've got two kids that are in college right now that I'm trying to um, pay off their tuitions. And so my, my 
life mission is just very, very simple these days. It's mm -hmm. just, um, you know, earn money and to try to, um, and try to uh, uh, pay off my, my children's tuition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, so what was your experience studying at Stanford like? Like, was the environment um, genial to persons of the AAPI community? Sure. That that's where I did my um, that that's where I did my undergraduate education. Right. And, yeah. And when I was there, it was a it, it was a great experience. I I mean I think there was a um, there was there wasn't a large Asian American population, but it was mm -hmm. uh, pretty it was pretty significant, and uh, and I I thought that it, it was a very um, relaxed and welcoming place of, mm. of a people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's this funny thing where, you know, I, I think it's, it, it, uh, I think the, um, the personality of mm -hmm. the college was one where, um, you know, it, it was, it was a sunny place. It's, it's very, uh, it's very pleasant and nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but you had a lot of people who were very competitive and over mm -hmm. all trying to put on the persona, uh, right. we're all just nice, positive, friendly people. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be your that might be your um, stereotype of West Coast people, but it was kind of like that. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> um, and and so it was a uh, um, just uh, you know a lovely place. It was it was really mm -hmm. a, a great experience, um, and and I think that was probably a, a place where um, where th there was a strong message, at least to me, uh, about trying to give back to the community. You know, so um, and I, I don't know if everyone at Stanford has that. Um, has that uh, message that's kept to the, you know, some of them just try to make as much money as they can in tech. Um, I was not a high tech person. I, I did not do anything in Silicon Valley. Um, so, um, so to me, I, I think something was planted in me in terms of uh, realizing no matter what I do, I should be trying to give back to the community. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your experience in studying law at the University of Hawaii? Right. So after I um, after I'd gone to Stanford, then then I moved out to Hawaii. And um, for anyone who's not been here, uh, I think one of the things that you immediately realize uh, when you're an Asian American is is how you go from being the minority. Um, so even in West Coast cities like Seattle or San Francisco, mm -hmm. um, I, I was the minority, um, and I went from being the minority to being the majority. And right. it's an easy thing, like you know, like. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it was, it was this funny thing where I'd just be, I'd be walking around and I'd realize this is, this is so strange, you know, like all <laughs> time I always thought of myself as the, you know, as the token Asian, mm -hmm. you know, just, I mean, all of the honestly wrong kinds of thoughts where, where I would be, you know, uh, always trying to be a model minority growing mm -hmm. up, be studious and, um, you know, not do anything that sticks out, um, you know, I, I remember even having, you know, thoughts of, you know, gee, you know, I, you know, I don't want to, if I, if I look like I'm hanging around with too many Asians, I mean, this is a terrible, terrible thought, but I would, I would think if I'm hanging around with too many Asians, then it'll look like I'm only focused on Asian people. Right, yeah. Into the community. I mean, just you know, crazy things like that. Um, and, uh, and then when I went to Hawaii, all um, <laughs> that disappeared. I was like, what, what is this for? I've never, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure it must be the same thing for people who, you know, end up moving to Japan or, mm. or China or Taiwan. Um, but, but just that, that was not my experience growing up. And, mm. and, and I have to say, um, it, it was very, it, it was very helpful. It, it really helped me to um, let go, 
I, I think of a lot of the, the hangups that I'd had growing up of, of just, you know, kind of feeling like I was always, you know, different than, than everybody else. Um, and and gave me uh, some confidence. So um, anyway, uh, the University of Hawaii is a, is a uh, it's a great campus. It's the only law school in the state of Hawaii. Mm. And, um, and I would say what was very special about going there was, was that there were a lot of people who were um, indigenous to the the population, so Native Hawaiians um, who were there, um, who had a lot of um, they they brought a, a very unique and important perspective about really respecting. Um, indigenous people and, and really thinking about um, their their rights, um, you know, kind of the, the ways that they had been taken advantage of over history. Um, all things that I, I think, um, you know, I, as I was growing up as a model minority, I, I think I was, you know, the model minority of being, you know, Chinese American. Mm. I think I was always taught to just try to ignore that and suppress it and, and just, you know, just try to fit in, right? But instead, here I was being surrounded by, um, you know, a native Hawaiian population um, that had learned something different. You know, they, they learned to, you know, speak up for their rights and, mm -hmm. and, um, and to, uh, you know, bring up the past. And that was good. I mean, it was, it was considered to be a good thing, you know, to mm -hmm. bring up the past and, and to say, hey, you know, this has created some social inequity um, that, that needs to be, uh, that needs to be um, righted, you know, it needs to, needs to be, uh, you know, made right, and so um, and so, I really learned a lot uh, from from my classmates, and, mm -hmm. and, and that was helpful. Had a big influence on me and in, in other decisions that I made going mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm, for sure, yeah. So, like, you kind of touched base on like this question, but um, I'm really curious as to like if you faced any difficulties, like come to terms with your identity as a Chinese American. Like if you like ever like face discrimination or um, kind of dealt with the, I don't know, because like for me personally, as a, I'm also Chinese American. So um, a lot of people like my age will struggle with like, oh, am I Chinese? Am I American? Like, how do I, like, where do I fit on that um, scale? Right. So right. have you ever like, how did you deal with that? Well, you know, here's the, you know, my, my mom always tells me this um, great story about how mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up, um, she said that um, I was only like four or five years old and she was with a bunch of other Chinese moms mm -hmm. and watching all their kids as we were playing. And so there was this thing where the, the game that was going on, a very simple game, was each kid was climbing up a small step ladder and then jumping off the ladder. And so we were all going on through the line and, and you know, all the kids were laughing and having a fun time. And so then she watched me and, um, you know, I got to the ladder. You know, it wasn't a very, it wasn't very high, you know, just mm -hmm. maybe waist high for an adult. And, um, and so I climbed the ladder, I got to the top, I looked down, I shook my head and said, too dangerous. And then I, um, and then I backed down and I uh -huh. came off the ladder. And so um, my mom saw that and then all the other Chinese mothers gathered around her and said, oh, you know, what a smart boy you have. You know, he's so, you know, you know he's so careful, and, you know, so, you know, so, so mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it just it just what he does, and and so then my my mom actually told me the story. She says, you know, when I saw that and I saw you do that, I, I realized I will never have to worry about him. You know, I will I will never have to. Mm. He's going to do anything that's mm -hmm. that risky, and uh, and I thought about that. And I realized, gosh, you know, growing up, I was always the you know when I was with my friends, I was always the person who said, oh, you know what, we got to get back home so that we don't break curfew mm -hmm. or. Always the person. If any time you know, my friends wanted to do something that might mm -hmm. break, 
to be like, yeah, I'm not sure we should do this. And, you know, I, you know, I would always have that kind of cautious mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, and, and I think a lot of that was built into, uh, you know, the, the identity, not so much as being, a, you know, a Chinese person, but I think being, being, a, being a Chinese American or an Asian right. American, I, I think mm -hmm. we're always taught was, you know, just try to fit in, don't mm -hmm. do controversial don't be you know don't be too smart um right you know, yeah hate you for being you know for being too smart mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and just try to um just try to get along with everyone so um so i think you know i mean i mean look at me it was like totally ingrained in it was in my dna when i was four years old because i you know i wouldn't even jump off ladders you know that's right. <laughs> yeah that's how i was um and so i i have to say that um you know, being part of a diverse community, I think especially here in Hawaii, um, mm -hmm. probably did more for me. It just in, in terms of being able to help me to uh, really appreciate my, um, you know, appreciate my, um, you know, my, my identity and, and to be confident in, in what I believe in. So here I am, I'm middle-aged right now. Mm -hmm. I can still see how like a lot of what I grew up with is still, still stays a part of me, but I also see how, um, the experiences that I've had has helped me to uh, be more confident and, and mm. take risks. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, drifting away from your education, what kind of like internships or entry level jobs did you take on that have helped you throughout your career? Sure. Um, well, I, I will say that my first high school job was working for a pizza place. It was called God pizza um, uh -huh. so I, I was like the you know I was the dishwasher and then I was a cook um, back in high school so that it was like the high school hangout so it was like ever all my friends showed up you know and they're having the best time ever and I'm in the back you know <laughs> but, you know just trying to clean everybody's dishes and, and stuff so um, <laughs> so that was my high school experience but mm -hmm. But I, I would say that um, other jobs that I had was, was I actually ended up being um, in, in law school. I was an intern at the attorney general's office. So, um, so long before I became the attorney general, I was a student intern. Mm. And actually, even in Washington state, my, my cousin had worked for the AG's office out there. And, uh, and I remember um, being on the, um, the consumer protection hotline, which they had even back then where people could call in and say, um, you know, I've been taken advantage of by a contractor or, you know, a plumber is, you know, is trying to sue me and, you know, what can I do? And so I, I remember being able to, you know, take in those calls and to try to, um, you know, pass it on so other people could be able to solve them. Um, I remember that being a, a fantastic experience. So, you know, it's, it, it taught me um, to, to love working for government. I, I love people who work for, for, for government. I, I know that they, they get a very bad rap for you know there, there's a stereotype that they're they don't work hard or that mm. they're you know, they're bureaucratic or something um uh i, I don't actually feel that I, I think that there are a lot of um very good-hearted uh sincere people who've made a lifestyle decision um to end up working for government um and also have a part in their heart that that really loves serving the community uh, that is just very special and and so um, so I've uh, I really appreciated. I, I think from those internships, I was able to learn how to be able to um, you know, admire just you know people who go into public service, um, and and I think it had an influence on me because mm -hmm. I kept ending up in public service. Right. Yeah, in, for in the sure. Jobs that I had. Definitely, because um, internships definitely like it 
grows your interest in like the certain field that you're right. interning in, especially now, because I'm also doing an internship. And I think I have definitely learned a lot about, you know, um, what I'm currently interning on and it makes me more interested in the things. So yeah. what kind of duties were you subjected to in the position of Hawaii Lieutenant Governor? Oh, as a Lieutenant Governor? Um, it, it was, uh, it, it actually uh, ended up being um, very helpful for me in, in terms of being able to um, visit during different Asian countries, you know, on behalf of the, the mm -hmm. state of I mean, this was back um, before the pandemic. Right. Like, yeah. Hawaii's number one industry um, still is, but it's it's <laughs> was tourism, mm -hmm. and um, and certainly tourism, not just from the mainland United States, but but also from um, the Asia Pacific countries. So, um, so I actually had not traveled that much outside of the U.S. I, I've I've actually never been to China in, in my whole life. Um, mm. But um, but uh, my parents came from China, but I've never been there myself. Um, but uh, when I was lieutenant governor, I, I did get to go to um, South Korea, um, to the Philippines, um, as well as to um, Taiwan. And, um, and, and a lot of that was to go out there and to be able to talk about, um, talk about my, my, um, my life as a lawyer and to share about the, the American rule of law. Super interesting, right? Because because I think you know we're we're living in a time when I think a lot of people are um, you know are, are questioning or challenging or wondering about America's leadership, um, mm, definitely, yeah. the rule of law. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, I think what I really picked up on then this was only two years ago um, was just how how much the rest of the world does look to the United States um, as an example of you know of just. You know, a, a system that is is fair and that is just and that um, listens to the little guy. Um, mm. in, in a lot of these other countries, um, they don't have systems like that at all. Oh, I also went to Vietnam. You know, I also um, oh, wow. traveled to Hanoi, mm. and um, I forgot about that. But but that's um, but what was interesting about all those places is that um, as much as they were you know already hearing about some of the different news stories that would take place in, in the United States that we, we've all been living with every day um, you know they still um, at that time two years ago we're, we're looking at the United States like you know you guys have a model um, that we want to hear more about right. um, it's better than the model that we're living under mm -hmm. right now where there's um you know, there's no jury trials, or or uh, the the police can do whatever they want, and and um, and there's just there's nothing to uh, there's there's nothing to challenge what the police does. There's no mechanism in place uh, to be able to make a complaint or to be able to get them to change. Um, so uh, so that that experience as lieutenant governor was was very interesting. Um, I just have a quick like yeah. So I feel Are like you uh -huh. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I just like wanted to, I thought just like what you said about, um, you know, visiting like these kinds of countries, like it does give you a different perspective on, you know, life here in America. Just, yeah, like even for me, like visiting friends and family in China um, and hearing like how much like they idolize America because like for them, you know, the lifestyle <laughs> there is really different for than lifestyle here in America. So right. it's like, you know, this is like what we're accustomed to. So it's like really easy to just like pick out the stuff that we want to change. But right. um, it's really, it's really interesting to like see how like other people view American, you know, 
uh, yeah, like our government and all of that. So right. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Building same. like <laughs> building off of Lisa. Actually, my aunt she just like came to America earlier this year in January, and she said it's totally different from what she had previously, you know, thought of. Yeah. And I think it's like yeah, because it's. Because when I go back, because I actually went back to China last year for vacation during the summer, and, you know, the thoughts that, you know, my aunts and uncles had on me, like, especially because, like, you know, I'm Chinese-American, I think is just, like, unbelievable, because that is right. not what it is here. Yeah. So going back to your career, um, you initiated a lawsuit that stopped the reversal of student loans to graduates from for-profit colleges, and you also defended the Marriage Equality Act before the Hawaii Supreme Court. Can you just like briefly talk about those two cases and, you know, your motives and like, you know, the processes of those? Sure. Both, both of those instances came up when I was the Attorney General for the, the state of Hawaii. That was from 2015 to 2018. And, uh, and during that time, um, you know, one, one of the jobs of the Attorney General is to uh, one is to always be thinking about um, consumer protection issues. And, and then the second thing is to think about um, people's civil rights. So, um, so when it came to um, for-profit colleges and student loans, um, one, one of the things that was happening, not just in Hawaii, but all around the United States, um, is that there, were, um, there was a large amount of for-profit colleges that would advertise themselves to students as, you know, hey, you, you know, you, you come to us and, uh, and we're going to give you a great career. We're going to give you that college degree um, that, that you want to have. And, um, and we were accepting you like they just kind of, you know, made a big deal out of accepting anybody. And then uh, we can see that your credit is really not good at all. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to give you a loan anyway. Um, mm -hmm we want so badly for you to go. And so with that um, heavy sales pitch, um, you know, then a, a lot of students uh, were taken in by that and ended up um, graduating with um, sky high, you know, six figure student loans and, and from, from colleges that, that didn't actually give them the, you know, the, the typical um, educational experience that, that you might expect at, at some of the more mainstream like colleges, um, you know, it's uh, and, and I realize I'm saying all that, you know, under a lens where, you know, we're now everybody's taking their classes online and, and everything. Um, but but back then, um, you know, for profit colleges, particularly were, were known for just, you know, kind of a, a bad quality level of education or, or less, um, you know, just it, it, they, they weren't, they weren't delivering on what they had promised to the students. And, and on top of that, they were uh, leaving the students with a lot of debt. So we ended up taking that on. Um, to really, uh, to really um, sue those for-profit colleges and were successful in, uh, in getting them to um, stand down and to close. Second thing had to do with marriage equality. Um, Hawaii was one of the, the very first states to, to recognize um, uh, same-sex marriage in its, um, in its Hawaii Supreme Court case law. Um, and then it also passed the Marriage Equality Act um, about 10 years ago. And, and of course, when it was challenged, then, uh, then, as the attorney general, then, um, then I argued in defense of the Marriage Equality Act uh, to the Hawaii Supreme Court. Uh, you know, frankly, I, I think people here in, in Hawaii, it's it is it's a 
it's a very, very diverse um, place. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's very um, accepting as a culture. And, and so it was, uh, um, it was a argument I was happy to make. Um, right. and, and personally, like this, this is the right thing to do. A lot of it kind of went back to what I was talking about in terms of just being able to you know, live here, um, to be part of this culture and, and to be um, around so many different people um, who really were um, thinking about um, civil rights and, and what was important to uh, minorities. And, and so, um, you know, that, that includes the LGBTQ community and, and uh, especially back then. And um, I'm not saying that, that that fight is still going on and, and there's certainly a lot more to do there. Um, but, uh, but I was honored to be able to be uh, someone who was defending the Marriage Equality Act in front of our state Supreme Court and they affirmed it, of course. So, uh, so we have, we are where we are. Awesome. So when you look back at your career, at what point do you think um, you're most proud of and why? Um, you know what I would, would actually say, like, I mean, I think some people would, would think that the, the part that really stands out to me and, and, you know, frankly, it does, it, it was, it was, um, you know, taking on the, the Muslim travel ban and, mm. um, and taking that case all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Um, the case that the United States Supreme Court decided 5-4 um, in, in favor of upholding um, the president's um, right. Muslim travel ban mm-hmm. was um, Hawaii versus Trump. I mean, that, that's actually, right. that's, and um, so I was the attorney general that, that, um, that brought that case. And, um, and it was very important to, to our community to stand up for the civil rights of people. I, I think there were a lot of people who were particularly of Japanese American descent, um, who are here in Hawaii, who remembered um, a, a previous time in World War II when right. parents or grandparents were mm-hmm. in concentration camps, um, because of the fact that they were just simply because they were Japanese, mm-hmm. and so and so when um, the the administration at the U.S. government came out with their their travel ban on all Muslims coming into the country, and, and the original language said that it's because they're terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, right away, that was just a red flag to people in this population that they, that um, that was something to fight. And it was actually um, a case that we won at every step of the way until we got to that five-four decision at the right. Supreme Court. But but mm-hmm. um, but all the way up until we got there, uh, the the judges were siding with um, with Hawaii and saying. Was an unconstitutional, discriminatory ban on people just because of their religion or just because of the country that they came from. I think that's very important to, to any um, anybody who is of uh, Asian American descent or any minority um, to just think about how um, you know we don't want government to be making decisions about us simply because of our ethnicity or because of our religion. And, and so, um, and so, I was very proud of that. Mm. But I will say this, I actually think that the, the moments in my life um, that probably taught me the most were, were the ones where, um, where I failed and, and, and where, I've, where I've had to learn from that. I mean, at the prosecutor's office, um, I, I really, uh, I, I was, I, I had to learn how to be an advocate. And mm-hmm. I remember the that would be really tough with me on that because I'm such an, I'm a nice person, right? And uh-huh. So being nice all the time, that, that to be a, a lawyer means, you know, means, having to um, you know, be confrontational. Right. Uh, and I remember having a lot of coaches and mentors that really, um, that really pushed me and were very tough with me on, on that issue. And, um, and I, I think uh, 
um, being able to take on those challenges and to, to work through that. Um, I mean, I think those are the, like, those are the moments in my life that I look back at that where I'm, you know, I think the most proud because I, I know I grew the most from that. Right, exactly. Yeah, even though, you know, that whole experience, it ultimately ends up the way that, you know, we want it to be. I think it's really admirable that you, you know, you see that as like a, a learning experience, as a growing experience. So, yeah, that's really awesome. Um, so a little bit about like your, as being a part of the Honolulu Police Commission. So what do you yeah. to achieve as, you know? Uh, as so, yeah, um, I, I just, I, I just, got appointed to the police commission here in Honolulu. Mm -hmm. It's a bureau position. Mm -hmm. um, there are seven police commissioners and, and um, not every city has this, but most of the major cities do have something like this where you have um, a citizen group. So it's not police officers, but, but um, citizens from the community who are, um, they, they have a certain degree of responsibility and, and ability to influence the police department. Sometimes it's not a whole lot. Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. it's purely advisory and the police department can do whatever they want. Or sometimes it, it can have a, a little more teeth to it. So Honolulu is a little bit in the middle. Like, like in other words, I think as a commission, we're, we're able to um, um, uh, uh, issue discipline, disciplinary mm -hmm. against police officers, mm -hmm. uh, as well as to be able to have some say over the budget. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, I, I can tell you right now that, that you know, the, the moment in the time that we're in, um, you know, I, I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility for being on the police commission. I think the community is uh, is in a place um, all around the U.S., but I, I think it's also here in Hawaii where where they, um, they you know, they, they really uh, are questioning and and want to be able to know whether they can trust law enforcement. Right. Yeah. And I got to say that um, when I was growing up especially being Chinese American. Like, like I think, you know, the way my parents raised me and, and just kind of the different things I, I, you know, thought growing up or saw on TV, um, it, it was basically law enforcement is always right, you know. Yeah, same here. Question, mm -hmm. But they're, don't ever question what they're doing because right, they're yeah. protecting us, right? I mean, they're protecting us, it's mm -hmm. public. So we need to back them up, you know, every step of the way. And, and I think all of us have, you know, have had our eyes open and, and I, you know, I feel terrible that it's been, you know, such a long time coming, but I think all of us um, have really grown and learned a lot in the last few years um, uh, about the importance of thinking about systemic racism and institutional, um, you know, institutional biases against, against certain, um, against certain ethnicities uh, or, or, you know, and, and I think that has been um, something that obviously I think is a good thing because mm -hmm. I think, you know, us being able to question those things and to challenge that, um, I think being on the police commission, I can already tell like me and my colleagues, uh, we, we really are, um, we're, we're still respectful for the police of the job that they're doing, um, but we're also expecting them um, to, to be able to be um, holding themselves to the, the highest standards. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, I don't feel bad about holding the police to mm -hmm. very standards because they're holding a gun, right? I mean, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. they've got a firearm to where they can, mm -hmm. you know, where they can shoot someone and, and you know, immediately end their life, um, you know, or seriously injure them. 
And, uh, you know, all the rest of us, we have to, you know, if we want to get a firearm, then we'd have to get a license. We'd have to do all this hard work, you know, to be able to do that. And then there's all these regulations about what you can do with a firearm. Um, but the, the police, they, they carry it around all the time and, and among other weapons that, that, um, that they have that they, that they right. can. So, um, so to me, I, I think it's, I think it's fair. I think it's fair okay. to expect, um, our, our law enforcement to, uh, to be held to very, very high standards. Right, yeah, and to keep them accountable for, the, for their actions, and, right? Because like you yeah. said, like, that is their role, that's their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it's a balance, you know, and, 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 you know, sadly, I mean, I think, you know, we, we're living at a time where, you know, it's, it's people are saying, you know, you're either for the police 100% or you're against them 100%. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, I mean, I think, I, I just, I, I can't say enough how, like we, we've got to get out of this, you know, yeah. binary, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're either for us or you're against us. Right. Uh, because I just think most of us are just, we're just a lot more complex and nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. um, in every, um, you know, it's, it, it's just as bad as racial stereotyping, you know, to, to, you know, immediately think that um, all police officers are bad or that all police officers are good. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just that, you know, that's all stereotyping. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's important to be able to appreciate uh, just the individuality of people and to understand that there, there are ways that, um, that we can challenge each other um, and be respectful at the same time. Mm -hmm. Most definitely with like the rise of like the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. you can definitely see that police brutality and like right. the way police, some police, um, their attitude towards minority needs to be right. fixed. So like- And, and, and I just wanna add in something like that there because I, 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 I absolutely believe that, you know, all the things that I've learned, it's, it's helped me to examine my own implicit bias and to really, mm. how do I view things yeah. when I'm, you know, when I'm walking around. And it, it, it actually, honestly, the same thing came up for me um, when I was um, helping the, the Muslim community when we were challenged when we were challenging the the president's travel ban a couple of years ago was I, I really got to know um, the the people who were part of the the small but but mighty um, Muslim community that was here in Hawaii that's it's mm -hmm. amazing you know there's people who came all the way from the Middle East and and um, and Africa who live here in Hawaii that's like halfway right. halfway around the world and uh -huh. stories of how they ended up out here um, pretty amazing and um, and just to get to know them and, and their families and to realize how, you know, after 9-11, um, there was so much rhetoric and so much speech out there that that taught us to, you know, immediately fear the Muslim religion mm. or fear people just because they were Muslim. Um, but to get to know them and to, you know, to, to have that opportunity to get to know them, you know, just one-on-one -on -one and to hear their stories um, was very, very special. And, mm. and you know, taught me so much. I mean, I, I, I'm sure for you, you, you've had the experience for you too, having the experience of going to China, you know, just, just to hear, just to meet the people that are there. Yeah. Yeah. To see sure. them day to day is, is I'm sure so great because unfortunately for all of us, if all we do is listen to what our leaders tell us about China, um, then we, you know, we, we think some very, we have some very negative stereotypes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. So like, there's like 
two big political things coming up in 2020. One is like the presidential election and one is, you know, completing the census. So in your opinion, why is voting important and, you know, why is it important to complete the census? You know, I, I mean, I think that voting is, is uh, just one, one of the most important things that, that uh, we could be doing um, just to be able to uh, you know, let the world know um, that we're a democracy and that this is, uh, you know, this is the, the best system that, that's out in the world. Not a perfect system, mm -hmm. um, a system, um, but, it, but um, a, demo, uh, a system that is run on, on um, you know, people's voting and, and democracy and fairness is ultimately going to be um, the, the best kind of system in terms of uh, you know, the, the quality of life and, and the, um, the, the feelings that we'll have inside about ourselves um, if we can be part of it. Okay, so now that I've said all these wonderful things about voting, um, I have to admit to you uh, both that that's not the way I felt when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. you know, I think I was very apolitical. Um, had very little interest in, um, you know, in, in voting or being part of things. When I was at Stanford, I, I actually I recently went to my 35th, 35th, 30th, whatever it was. It was my, uh, my uh, reunion, 30th. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I, when I went back to that, um, what, what really struck me was, you know, I actually wasn't part of any civil rights groups when I was, when I was there in college. And like a, a lot of the, the things that I've done have occurred later on. Um, in my life, and it wasn't—I I wasn't an activist, you know. When mm. I, nobody would have ever thought that. <laughs> I was very quiet um, when I when I was there in college, and um, and so uh, you know, so I I, I can see how um, just you know being part of government and and seeing how much it works is 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 just a, and how much it doesn't work has has taught me a lot about um, how important it is to uh, to engage in voting. Um, a lot of people here in Hawaii think, you know, well, we're, we're, we're a completely blue state. Like there are very, very few people who vote mm -hmm. um, Republican. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people just think, well, my vote doesn't matter. And, and so the, the number of people who vote is, percentage of people who vote is very, very low. Um, but I, I think it still is important and, and it's a good exercise to be able to, uh, to challenge yourself to be thinking about who are the people that we're putting in charge, not just of our country, uh, but who are the people that we're putting in charge of our police department or our office or, you know, who are the judges that, you know, for, for uh, states that elect judges, um, you know, who are the judges that we're putting into um, our court system that are deciding um, the cases that, that we have. Um, all that is very, very, very important. Mm -hmm. So what is your viewpoint on completing the census? As oh. in, it's also like another important thing in 2020. Right. Well, you, you know, I, I mean, I think that's um, that's an even more important thing for um, for people who are Asian American um, to get mm -hmm. in. not not and um, and the reason why I say that is because obviously we want the you know we want the representation and to realize that that's how government resources is based upon the census. All that's kind of like the basic reasons for why you would be involved in the census, why you would want to make sure that you're, um, you're counted uh, mm -hmm. in the census that's happening right now. Um, but I, I think the other reason why I, I think it's important for Asian Americans to, to get involved in is because um, I, I go back to kind of that, that 
see, I don't know if it was cultural or if it, you know, it can't be that we're born with it or anything, but it must be cultural. It must be just be yeah. kind of like, you know, how like mm -hmm. we're all impacted by our families growing up um, to think that, you know, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't get involved or we shouldn't get, um, we shouldn't be counted. Um, gosh, I mean, if there's anything I think we've learned in the last couple of years, it's how important it is to be involved. And, and I think what is so special is, is to be able to see more and more um, Asian Americans, um, more and more um, East Asians, South Asians uh, that are on TV that, that are, or that are running for office. Um, you know, the vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris on the Democratic side is, is part Asian herself. Uh, I think all of that kind of representation is very important and, mm -hmm. and absolutely matters because it gets away, to me, I see how healthy that is because it really gets away from um, how I grew up versus how my own kids grew up. Um, you know, when I, like I said, when I grew up, it's basically, it was all white and mm -hmm. then Asian. Right, yeah. <laughs> that was my school, you know, that's, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that was it. And um, and that has an effect, you know. It really has an effect on on just you know your your confidence and and you know yeah, how for sure you are and you know everything. Um, and uh, and I can tell you, you know, my my kids are um, they're actually both they're they're part Asian, they're part Caucasian. Um, you know, so they're that they're that half Asian, you know, <laughs> look mm -hmm. that uh, that um, a lot of people have these days. And um, and, and so what what has been you know, really lovely is actually to see how um, in their own experience, they, they, they really don't have a lot of the hangups that I have, you know, and, um, and, and so, um, and, and I think that that is very gratifying to mm. see it. being a millennial or, or right. you know, the new, new generation. Um, but I also think it's part of, um, you know, the, the population becoming more diverse. Um, so um, embracing that diversity is part of what the census is all about is, mm -hmm. is to make sure that that the um the population of the united states is is uh is counting um all the people who are uh, who are underrepresented and that includes people who are asian american right most definitely voting and completing the census it's always like something you do that directly affects yourself right. on like political and national levels so to wrap up, um, if you could send yourself, your younger self, a message or our young listeners a message right now, what would, what would you say? Um, you know, so I, I would say this. I, I'd say that um, the you know, people will look at my life now and they'll say, wow, you know, you like, you sued the president, you know, you, you, uh, you, know, you went to the U.S. Supreme Court, you did all these mm. things that were very active. Um, and uh, I can tell you that was not at all what I thought my life was going to be like when I was a kid. Um, as I can tell you from my, my four-year-old story, uh, but even in college, I, I don't think I expected my life to turn out the way that it was. Mm -hmm. and so, I, so I think um, the, the advice that I'd give to my, my younger self is, is just to make sure that, uh, you know, just it's, I, I think if there's anything that, that I see that, that was, that was um, very helpful is that when there's an opportunity that comes, take it. Like, like in other words, um, I, I just never wanted to live my life in a way where I'd be, you know, spending my time thinking, you know, gosh, what if I, you know, what if I did that? Me moving to Hawaii, um, it was that's a totally different story. Um, but, but at the, the center of it all was this kind of like, do I want to take the risk of moving to Hawaii? And I just thought of, 
I thought to myself, gosh, if I, if I don't do this, I'll spend the rest of my life going, I could have lived in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and so that was a, it was a scary thing at the time. And yet it, it completely determined the course of my, my life and, and the different, um, the different paths that, that have occurred since then. Um, so I, I would really encourage my younger self and, and people who are listening um, to not be afraid to take those risks, to not be afraid to um, take on those opportunities when, when they come and to, to go for it, um, to, to have that confidence and, and to, you know, to, to take the risk. Um, it's something that's so important right now and, and something that we, we all need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So a little reminder to our audience, Mr. Chen has rose to the ranks of law in Hawaii despite being son of Chinese immigrants. He has proven that no disadvantages or problems can kill one's drive and passion, and they are bound to be rewarded. Anyone who disagrees can find Mr. Chen in the company of the best lawyers in America, a list that recognizes prominent lawyers in various fields. He has also been recognized as litigation star in 2020 by Benchmark Litigation. It was a great honor to be given the chance to speak to you today. And we would like to thank you on behalf of our team and our listeners for making time for us in your busy schedule. So um, is there like an email or social media that you would like to share with the listeners in case Goodness. they want to find you so, or, you know, talk to you or like funny. ask for uh, advice? I think I'm Doug Chin 7 on Instagram. Like that's all I've got. I actually don't have a Facebook or a account. <laughs> Um, I just, I went straight to Instagram. I just skipped over. <laughs> yeah, I think Instagram is where um, and, then, and then I landed there and then I didn't move on from there. I didn't really <laughs> talk or do anything from beyond that. So, uh, so that's, that's all I've got. Uh, but right. very much. Yeah, thank that's you so great. much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure to speak to you and meet with you. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Asians in the Spotlight. To stay updated with Asian advocates and Asians in the Spotlight, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you for staying until the end, and we hope that you will tune in to our next episode of the series, Asians in the Political Field, next Saturday.